Welcome back to The Bible Never Said That. My name is Shara Donahue, and I sure do love having you join me as we explore popular sayings that people love to say, but miss the mark of sound theology. Today, we'll be talking about a piece of relationship advice that gets told out far too often. Have you ever said relationships are 50-50? If you have said this, I'm sure you meant well, but this is not biblical advice. It is a sneaky little eye that relationships can function heartily on this 50-50 bargain. On paper, this makes sense because 50 plus 50 equals 100, and 100 is an A+, right? But in practice, it creates a tit-for-tat economy in a relationship that will always call its members to love sacrificially, not evenly. Remember, 1 John 3.16 insists, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Jesus also teaches in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. There will be days where your spouse, friend, or family member won't be able to offer you anything, and it will be those days they need you most. Will you demand your 50% that day or an IOU that says they will return the favor when needed? Or will you be there for your spouse, friend, or family member through the trials of life so that neither of you has to face this fallen world without a friend? A 50-50 relationship depends on the other broken human to make it work. But a person willing to give more than their fair share is living a life that loves for the sake of Christ. Remember, we are here to serve. 1 Peter 4.10 says each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Today, I want to share with you a story that is often overlooked from 2 Samuel 17 and 19. This is the story of Brazili. This story takes place when David is on the run from Absalom, and Brazili is a man of means, a believer in God, a man of wealth, and a supporter of King David, even though at this time, David's power was limited. In 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 27 through 29, we get this brief introduction. When David came to Mahanaim, Shobai, son of Nahash, from Rabbah of the Ammonites, and Makir, son of Emil, from Lodabar, and Brazili, the Gileadite, from Rogalim, brought bedding and bowls and articles of pottery. They also brought wheat and barley, flour and roasted grain, beans and lentils, honey and curds, sheep and cheese from cow's milk for David and his people to eat. For they said, the people have become exhausted and hungry and thirsty in the wilderness. But it is really in 2 Samuel 19 that we clearly see Brazili's consistency in living sacrificially for those he cares about. Starting in verse 31, his character begins to be revealed. Brazili, the Gileadite, also came down from Regilium to cross the Jordan with the king and to send him on his way from there. Now, Brazili was very old. 
80 years of age. He had provided for the king during his stay in Mahanaim, for he was a very wealthy man. The king said to Brazili, cross over with me and stay with me in Jerusalem, and I will provide for you. But Brazili answered the king, how many more years will I live? That I should go up to Jerusalem with the king? I am now 80 years old. Can I tell the difference between what is enjoyable and what is not? Can your servant taste what he eats and drinks? Can I still hear the voices of male and female singers? Why should your servant be an added burden to my lord, the king? Your servant will cross over the Jordan with the king for a short distance. But why should the king reward me in this way? Let your servant return that I may die in my own town near the tomb of my father and mother. But here is your servant, Kimham. Let him cross over with my lord, the king. Do for him whatever you wish. The king said, Kimham shall cross over with me, and I will do for him whatever you wish. And anything you desire from me, I will do for you. So all the people crossed the Jordan, and then the king crossed over. The king kissed Barzillai and bid him farewell, and Barzillai returned to his home. We see here that Barzillai provided for David in his time of need without expecting anything in return. And here, when a reward is offered, he still thinks not of himself, but of another. He asks for Kinham to be taken with the king and humbly says to the king, give him what you wish, not give him all you owe me, but give him what you wish. Barzillai sees others and loves them well more than they could ever love him back, and then returns home to live out his days and be buried near the bodies of his mother and father. I'm so glad God put Brazili in the Bible. It was a simple conversation that could have been overlooked, but God marked it important because this is an example of a healthy relationship. Yes, King David said, hey, let me do these things for you after Brazili had served him. And there should be a general sense of love between people in a healthy relationship. But the Bible is clear. We should deny ourselves to love others. We should consider others before ourselves and follow Jesus's call to true love. However, many of you who have experienced unhealthy relationships or simply those of you who are wise should be asking, do we constantly give 100 to someone who offers zero. Now, this is why we take the whole counsel of scripture into consideration. We still need to be wise and discerning. You do have a choice of who you spend time with. Don't forget that the Bible has a lot to say about who we keep as company. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, reminds us, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. 
there are more scriptures that we could look at to see how God cares about who we are in relationship with. But let's talk for a minute about healthy boundaries. Our mental, spiritual, and physical health doesn't belong in the hands of humans. It belongs in the mighty hands of an awesome God who will never be swayed from the path of righteousness. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. There is a place in Christian relationships for healthy boundaries. We cannot forget that our spiritual, mental, physical, and emotional health are gifts God has given us stewardship over. We need to take care of these things. Back in April of 2020, I went to a training via Zoom, of course, right? We're talking about 2020 from the Grace Alliance, where Joe Padilla interviewed Allison Cook, author of Boundaries for Your Soul, about how to counsel others in drawing healthy boundaries during quarantine. One of the most helpful ideas she discussed was that boundaries are not about controlling others or keeping things out, right? And she's spot on about that. If we're drawing boundaries because we are saying, hey, you can't cross over this and you can't cross over this because I want to control you, we have now become the toxic personality in that relationship. But if we are using them instead as she suggested, as guardrails that are there for protection over the things that God has asked us to protect, then we are using them properly. I think it's easy to forget that boundaries are not just about what we say no to, but they're also what we say yes to. That they are not there to protect our selfish desires, but they're there to let us become who we are as God's children. When you are someone who is willing to give of yourself and see how that honors Jesus, unfortunately, there are people out there who will exploit that belief and try to have you serve them as a little G-God instead of make room for you to spend your energy serving the mighty God. The enemy seeks to destroy us in all kinds of ways. And if we allow ourselves to be fooled and manipulated by others, who have no intention of serving Jesus with their lives and just soaking up all the service we're willing to give them, we will find ourselves likely to be taken advantage of. Another thing that Cook mentioned that has stayed with me is that God himself is the one who draws boundaries to bring order. She mentioned how at the very beginning of Genesis, he separates and orders. Look at Genesis 1, 1 through 4. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering above the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God creates order out of chaos. And without reasonable boundaries and relationships with certain types of personalities, chaos can be brought about when those who are willing to give keep giving to those who are always unwilling to do the same. We keep in mind that we are not loving people properly if we allow them to wreak chaos in the lives of others and don't point them to the call of sacrificial living. Remember, the concept of loving people well does not allow for enabling sins. So in our giving, we don't allow others to live permanently in sin. Jesus didn't let others manipulate and use him in ways God did not call him to. Those of us prone to deny self to the point of destruction need to remember that even Jesus had to say no in order to love people properly. In the scriptures, we see that Jesus took time for himself, that he called out the disciples when they were wrong, and that he didn't just sit back and accept the manipulative tactics the Pharisees were constantly throwing at him. Let's look at Mark 12. Right before this, Jesus had told a parable that called out the evil ways of the chief priests and lawmakers. So we'll pick up there, starting at verse 13. Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others. Now, real quick, we'll take a break. Look at this here. Even the people against him know that Jesus knows who he is. Then they say, because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked. See, he was not shy about saying, ah, I'm not submitting to your manipulation. And then the Sadducees began to question him about marriage, to which Jesus makes these statements starting in verse 24. Jesus replied, Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now, about the dead rising, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. I love this. Jesus just refuses, flat out refuses, to be led into a trap and does not allow false truths to linger. Are you not an error? He says, you are badly mistaken. Loving people sacrificially doesn't mean allowing yourself to be trapped or allowing false truths to linger and live. We see Jesus shutting that stuff down right here. One more example before we wrap this up. Let's look at Mark 10, 35 through 45. Can you all tell I've been reading Mark lately? <laughs> 
But here, Jesus is talking to those closest to him, not Pharisees, but dear friends. So starting at verse 35, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. And Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This scripture is absolutely perfect for showing us reasonable boundaries, but also a life laid down for others in love. Sometimes people ask for things for which they cannot comprehend the consequences. And in those instances, we can say no. Jesus did not say yes to every request given to him, but he did love more sacrificially than we ever will. He took that cross so that we could be saved. He paid our debt. He died for our sins. He faced anguish we will never have to know because he loved perfectly so we can love others sacrificially and point others to the freedom we know because of him. No, relationships aren't 50-50. They are a gift. And in our caring for that gift, we don't have to worry about our fair share but we get to rejoice in the privilege of offering more than others deserve because that is what Christ did for us. Would you courageously join me in the tender care for souls? It will be worth it. It just, is, it just isn't simple and easy. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the love that you have poured out for us. We did not deserve it. And you gave, and you gave, and you gave, even though it cost you your life. I thank you for the grace you've given us, that we can walk freely into loving others because of what you've done. Help us, Lord, to have you in front of us constantly, for our eyes to be stuck on who you are instead of our own rights. And may we love May we love this world that needs to know about your truth. And may we do it well. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me again today. The resources, books, and articles referred to in this podcast can be found in the show notes at lifeaudio.com slash podcast or on iTunes. And we'd love if you were over there, if you could rate and review this podcast so others can find us. And until next time, 
May you seek the abundant life Jesus died to give and live in the truth that sets people free. Hey there, it's Nicole Eunice from the How to Study the Bible podcast, and I'd love to invite you to join us as we weekly discover a passage of God's Word together. From beginning to end, from principles to practicals, we are here to make sure that God's Word is powerful and relevant to your life. If that sounds like something you're looking for, I would love to invite you to subscribe. You can go to lifeaudio.com and search How to Study the Bible, and we'll see you there.